Hey, this is Brent Ingersoll from King's Church. Thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. I pray that this message you're about to hear empowers you, encourages you, challenges you, and equips you to live the life that Jesus has for you. Thanks for tuning in. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 2. We're going to look at one text and just kind of take an idea from this part of the Christmas story for our message today. Matthew chapter 2, Jesus has been born and we're told of the story of the Magi coming to worship him. It says this, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who's been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and we've come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and he said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. Now, if you know the story, he did not want to go worship Jesus. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. They opened their treasures and presented him with gifts. I want to talk to you for a few minutes today about what do you give the king of kings? What do you give the King of Kings? Would you pray with me one more time? Father, would you just, again, as you have been so faithful to us this season, would you just help us press beyond a Christmas season, a Christmas message, a Christmas song? Would you, would you, the living God, would you speak to us? Would you call your people to what you have for us? Would you give to us what you want? Would you speak to us today? Come Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. What do you give somebody who has everything? Some of you are like, yeah, that's my father-in-law. He has everything, right? Like, you ever have that struggle in your family? I remember from my grandfather, my, my, on my mom's side. He pretty much got what he wanted when he wanted it, and he was, I see some smiles. There's some smiles in the audience. We have these people. He just had what he wanted, and so we always handed him a gift with a bow and a receipt. Here you go. Uh, this is probably going back, right? Like, he just, he just had what he wanted. He's really hard. And it is, it is hard to get. And I'm finding the older my kids get, the harder it is to shop for them because they are more specific in what they want. I have a couple teenagers and I am noticing that the, the dollar store stuffing of the sock is not quite as meaningful as it was to them when they were four. Uh, they're a little more specific and refined in what they're looking for. And the, the older and more established someone gets, the harder it is to shop for them, the harder it is to give them. I, I had a conversation last week with Sandra out on the coffee team, and she was saying how, look, we took my parents to go to a hibachi grill because you can't give them anything, so we gave them an experience, right? And we, we know this challenge of gift giving. To, the more someone has and the, more they, the less they need, the harder it is to find something that's meaningful 
for them. That's the challenge of giving gifts. And I, I bring that up because how much harder is it to give something meaningful to the God of the universe who needs literally nothing? What do you give to the King of Kings? What is your response to give something back to a God who really needs absolutely nothing? I saw this one meme going around. You know, the Magi came and they brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And the little drummer boy decided that Jesus needed a solo. I love this. Mary, exhausted having gotten Jesus to sleep, is approached by a young man who thinks to himself, what this girl needs is a drum solo. <laughs> Pa-rumpa-pum-pum. But what <laughs> Obviously, he is not a parent, eh? Uh, but what do you give... To the one who has everything, and furthermore, who has given us everything. It's a double-edged sword. It's not just that God doesn't need anything, but we are kind of stuck in this, this space where we, we have been given absolutely everything by him, and so we are kind of stuck with a very narrow lane as to what do we give back to the king of kings. There is nothing he needs he has absolutely everything. Let's not, let's not forget that this little baby in the manger is also the exact imprint. It is, the, it is the full measure of the fullness of God, pleased to dwell in a body. This is the supreme being of all creation. He, he is preexistent. He is sovereign. He is all-knowing. He is supreme over everything. For him and by him, all things have been made. He holds all things together by the word of his power. What are you going to give that? What are you going to give him who made everything, who owns everything? It's like you can't give him something material that's not already his in the first place. I love that old quote by Abraham Kuyper that there's not a square inch, not a molecule in all creation in which the Messiah does not say mine. It's already his. He made everything. He owns everything. He deserves everything. If you read the end of the book in Revelation, it gives a picture of the throne room and it shows the angel, angelic host and the elders and the saints and, and the, all of earth and all of creation crying out to the lamb that was slain, you are worthy to receive all glory, all honor, all wisdom, all strength, all power forever and ever. It all belongs to you. So what do you give Jesus? What's on Jesus's Christmas list? What do you give the one who has everything, who needs nothing, and then on the flip side, who you could not owe more to? He gave you absolutely everything. He gave this, this glorious, all-sufficient creator, condescended himself and stepped down into human flesh for a purpose, not for him, but for you, that he would bring salvation and redemption and peace and joy and meaning and purpose and a new beginning and an everlasting good end unto your life, that he would do that for you at great cost to himself. I mean, Jesus couldn't have given us more and we couldn't have deserved it less. And here we are in this position, like what do you give to the one who gave you everything, who needs nothing? What is on God's Christmas list? What can you give him? I have a couple things, a few things that God put on my heart today uh, that we can actually offer to Jesus that he actually wants. It might not be what you think. 
But there are a few things that Jesus actually is longing for, that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit actually wants from us this year at all times, but let's be reminded of it at Christmas. Here's the first thing. If you're taking notes, write these down. I think these will all speak to you differently. I feel like there's a, there's a message in here for everyone. But here's the first thing that you can give to God this Christmas. First thing is this. What can you give to the king? We can be loved by him. Wait, that sounds like he's giving something to us. Yes, it is. But what you can give God is that you would learn to better receive the gift he's already given you. Now, why am I, why am I touching on this? I felt the Holy Spirit very much put heat on this because how many of you have found that when you start to get a revelation of the wonder of his love and the cost of his sacrifice and the glory of the Son, the gift of God's grace becomes very challenging to accept. Oh, is it just me and Pastor Dan? No, it's, it's very hard when you start to see the immense grandeur of the grace of God and how not deserving you are to receive it. Have you ever been given something so precious that you had a hard time accepting it? Maybe someone just went over the top, like, like Michael Scott giving everybody iPads at the office. Anybody know that? No? Okay. It's like, you gave way too much. I don't deserve this. This is awkward, actually. I don't know how to accept this. I don't deserve it. There's a component of that when it comes to learning how to receive the gift that God has given us. That God has, by his goodness, given us grace unto salvation, the gift of grace. What, what, what am I talking about? The gift of God's grace. Ephesians chapter 2, Paul says it like this. It is by grace you have been, say it with me. So the grace of God, the gift of God is this deposit of grace that provides salvation. And it's not from yourself. It's the what? It's a gift. It, you, you didn't earn it. You don't deserve it. And you can't boast. It's just something that God has done out of his goodness. You've been given this gift of grace. We spent the whole fall talking about it. We did this Ask Me About Jesus series, if you were here, talking about what the good news of the gospel of Jesus is, that Jesus came, he died, he rose, he's coming again. And we talked about why that matters so much, that through this gift of God's grace, we have been saved. We have, have peace with God. We've been reconciled to God. We've been given a hope and a future. Our past has been cleansed. We've been forgiven of all unrighteousness. We have a clean record with the Almighty. We've been adopted as sons. We've been given an inheritance. We actually get to share in the forever rule and reign of King Jesus. Like, it's unimaginable what God has given us. It's unimaginable. And, and let me just, like, uh, Lord, would you wake us and renew us, even this Christmas season, as to just the wonder, the wonder of the love of God in Christ Jesus. Open the eyes of our hearts to see how high and wide and deep is the love of God in Christ. Can I get an amen? Would you ask the Lord to do that for you to this, this season? God has given us this most amazing gift, and yet here's the, here's the catch. If you're like me, you can struggle to receive it sometimes. Because you know you don't deserve it. You know you don't deserve it. But what, what God is looking for, like a father who gave a son or a daughter a gift for Christmas, he wants nothing more than for you to receive it with gratitude. You know, you know what would 
hurt my wife and I this Christmas, or any of you parents, you have kids, you shop, you wrap, you, you plot, you, 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 you plan, and you get the Christmas stuff ready to give to your kids. And, and the one thing I want for Christmas is my kids to receive it and be thankful. Not to say, Dad, I can't take this. Dad, I don't want this. And yet, a lot of us, when it comes to our relationship with God and the gift of God's grace, have a very hard time receiving it. Some of us reject it outright. There's two reasons we reject God's gift. The first is that we don't realize we need this. We don't understand the value. And there are thousands of people in Atlantic Canada right now that have not had a revelation of the gift of God's grace in Christ Jesus. They're looking for what God has given them in Jesus in a bunch of other things. They're looking for life in substances or relationships or climbing the corporate ladder. And here is God the Father. He's given his son in this strangely wrapped gift going to a cross and rising again and bringing us to life forevermore. And people are looking for that very thing all over the place. So there's a lot of people that don't accept God's gift because they don't think they need it. But look, this isn't just a problem for unbelievers. Do you know this creeps into our own lives as believers? Anytime we kind of push away the grace of God and we go chasing after other things, looking, it's called idolatry. We're looking for what God does in something he made instead of who he is. So we struggle. And yet, I think the bigger error that we find, especially in the church, and this is where I really felt the Spirit just sort of put his, put his hand on for me to just preach to some of you today. Maybe I needed this. Is that there is this religious impulse in us that we come to this realization that I need grace, I need God, I need Jesus, and, and we, we have that initial relationship set before him. We have this kind of realization, I'm saved, I've got God, but then it's almost though, as though God gives us the gift of his grace, and then we feel like, okay, now I'm going to pay for this. Anybody? I'm going to work this off. I'm going to make you know that I'm a good investment. And we start to build this economy with the Almighty that he never established in the first place. And so we we have this mentality that I don't deserve his grace. Paul was confronting this in his letter to the Galatians. If you ever want just an incredible, incredible just word of God, I find Galatians just so convicting. Maybe it's because I struggle with this. I don't know if you struggle with this, but I struggle with that religious impulse that says I've got to keep God happy. He can't possibly like me. Does anybody else feel that ever? Like God can't possibly like me. He knows me. He's seen me. He knows what I've been up to. He knows what I've done in my past. He knows the inclinations of my heart. He knows the thoughts that I have. And so I'll have this mentality that I've got to try harder and be a good person. And yet that is to reject the gift that he's given. Paul says to the Galatians who kind of had fallen back into religiosity. I don't know if you know the story, but they had kind of readopted some of the Old Testament sacrificial system and laws and, and legalities. And, and Paul comes to them and confronts them and he says, look, you, you can't live by the law or, and live by grace at the same time. It's one or the other. And so he says, look, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the body, I live by simple faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. And I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. 
How many of you in your Christian life feel as though God has given you the gift of salvation and you've come into a season or you've done something or you've failed or you've stumbled and, and you feel as though like God took it back? It's like you handed it back or he took it back and now I've got to work my way to get back into right relationship with him. Does anybody struggle with that in church? I do, so it's a safe place. We, we have this religious impulse that says, I, I now know I'm supposed to behave a certain way, and when I fail to do that, I've displeased the Father, and so clearly he's going to take back the, the gifts, and he's going to put me on the naughty list. And we treat God like Santa. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been so you be good for goodness sake. Yeah, here's the good news. I just want to just press this on you. Jesus does not, God the Father does not treat you like Santa. Y'all, you're all on the naughty list. (laughs) Me too. And it's because of that he gave us his son. And the only response is to humbly say, Thank you. Thank you. I don't deserve this. Thank you. And to stay in that simple posture of thank you. And if you can stay in that simple posture of thank you for your grace, Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your peace. Thank you for loving me. And if you can just stay in that posture, it brings power and fruitfulness into your life. I have found that if I start getting into that mindset where this gift is up for grabs, I get in this cycle of works and it it creates problems. It creates this cycle of guilt that leads to pride if I'm doing quote-unquote well, or it leads to frustration when I fail. And Jesus came to set us free from the cycle of guilt and obligation that we would just learn to be sons and daughters who are loved by God, by a perfect father. I don't know who needs to hear this today. But the best thing you can give God is to stop trying to earn his love and just learn how to receive it. Like, I know some of you have just kind of this deep religious impulse that says, I have to be good. I have to be good and God will be good to me. That's not how it works. God is good to us. And when we have a realization, it causes us to be good back to him. The Bible says that it's his kindness that leads to repentance. Nobody ever changed because they figured out God was so mad at them. It's when you realize that God's not angry at you. He loves you. He's for you. He's given his gift freely, knowing who you really are. So I felt like the Spirit of God just wanted some of you to take a deep breath and let go of your striving and let go of your just your, your white knuckling trying to please him. The, God loves you so much that he would give his only son for you. Learn how to receive it. So what can you give him? You can, you can fight the religious impulse this season. 
Can I just like speak to the powers and principalities of darkness that, that religion is a lie? Like you, even if you could do your very, 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 very best, the Bible says it falls infinitely short of the glorious standard of God. Instead, the, the wonder of his love is that he on our behalf would give us his son, the perfect gift of God's righteousness and grace and mercy and justice all wrapped up in Jesus Christ and that you would receive new and eternal life forever and ever. So here's the thing. Learn to receive his grace. How do you receive it? Humble yourself. That's why it's hard to receive. It confronts your pride. It's like, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you glad you gave this to me, Jesus. It's like, no, you won't. You can't. I was glad to give it to you before you ever did anything anyway. Learn to receive it. And then learn to rest in it. Especially in times where it feels like you've failed. It's like he didn't give it to you because you were good in the first place. I really feel like there's somebody today under the sound of my voice that's like, just you're, you're being beat up with condemnation. And the Lord's like, not in my house. There is now no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Learn to rest in his grace. Uh, God doesn't take back his gifts. Well, you were very bad this year, so yoink, right? That's not, not how it works. It's, it's freely given, freely receive. Freely receive. Jesus has been given. Learn to remain in his grace. I love that line. That's why I use that Galatians 2.20. Where Paul says, I do not set aside the gift of God's grace. Sometimes, if you're like me, you you start to get in your mind like, okay, I've got to do better. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put like my salvation and my right standing with God and all that good gospel stuff over here. And I'm going to get real good at being good. And then I'm going to feel better about having all this. Is Is that just me? Like, I, I fight that. Like, you, you know how hard, it's hard to get up here and preach because I have to deal with my unworthiness every single week about God. And I remember a couple weeks ago, I was coming to preach and I felt the Lord, uh, I, I felt the Lord say, look, you can get up there under the qualification of your own self-righteousness and works, or you can stand in the righteousness of Christ, but you can't do both. And so you, you have to learn how to rest in his grace, and then fight to remain there. I do not set aside the grace of God. I don't know what reason you have set it aside. Maybe you've just gotten distracted. Maybe you've you've screwed up, whatever it is. But I felt like the Spirit of God, just this Christmas for some of you, like the best thing you can give him is just like, here, would you take my gift? Would you hold it? Would you receive it? Would you relish in it and revel in it and just have the grace of God? Like God is good and God is for you. And his, his salvation on the cross when he said it was finished was all the way finished. And you can't out his grace. And you can't outrun his love. And there's nowhere on earth that you can go where his presence does not follow you. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. So when you thought you walked out on him and you went to that place or you were that person or you went to that bar, whatever it was you were doing, he's there with you. You can't outrun him. You can't get away from him. His love chases after you. There's nothing you can do. So just, just, just receive the gift of God's grace. Merry Christmas. There's grace for you. Can I just, just, just hear that in your spirit? I don't know. You're all, you're all in different seasons of life and different scenarios. Here's the good news. Merry Christmas. There is, there is grace for you. Infinite, unending, 
unimaginable, amazing grace. Are you glad for it? Thank you, Lord. Just thank you, Lord. What can you give him? Just receive it. Take it. Take it. Okay, second thing you can give. The second thing that's on the king's Christmas list. I wish, says the Father, you would learn to receive my grace better. So do it in us, Lord. Second thing, from that, we can love him back. First thing you can do is let him love you. And then the natural thing when you get a revelation of the love of God is it converts itself into loving him back. The Bible says we love God because he first yeah, some of you have read that. Yeah, it's, again, it's reaction. It's response. We love God because he first loved us. So we can love him back. We can love him back. There is no money, no technology, no accomplishments, no abilities. Not, there's nothing you can give him that he needs. But there is one thing in the universe that the creator does not currently own. And that is your love and affection. It is the one thing. You think about it. It is the one thing in all of the cosmos that is not God's. He created you in his image and gave you dominion. The ability to choose to love him or not. Nothing else in the whole of existence has that authority, but you do. And it is the one domain that he wants to have is the affection of your heart. Your love that you would put your faithful trust and affection and love and adoration back in his hands. What can you give back to God? You can love him back. One time Jesus was asked, you know, what does God want from us? And here's what he said. A teacher of the law came and heard them debating and noticed that Jesus, Jesus had given good answers. So he asked, of all the commandments of the whole Bible, what's God after? Jesus said, the most important one is this, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Say it with me. Love, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. What can you give God? It's love. You can learn to love. And now some of you are like, well, I, I can't make myself love. Well, here, here's the key to loving God. It's getting a revelation of the love he has for you. So if you want to love him better, the prayer is this, God, open my eyes to see you. That's why Paul prayed that you, the spirit of wisdom and revelation would open the eyes of your heart to see how deep and how wide and how high is the love of God in Christ Jesus. Because when you see that, it causes a love response. So if some of you are struggling to love God, the prayer is this, help me understand your love for me. Help me better understand your love for me. And then out of that, here, here's what it looks like. It looks like aiming your whole life, your whole being at the Lord. Did you notice like the, the, the totality of what Jesus said here? He didn't say just love God with how you think. He did say that, but he said also love God with your affections and love God with your doing, all your mind, all your heart, all your actions. It's the total person. It's to let the fullness of your love affect your life unto God. So love, ultimately, like what is love? Baby, don't hurt me. <laughs> it's impossible. It's impossible to say what is love and not start doing this. But, but what is love? Stop, stop. It's, um, 
Is there even another way to ask the question? Um, how should we understand love? Uh, love is more than a feeling. <laughs> when I get anyway, but it is. They're right. These songwriters are right. It is more. Love is, it is the affection and the feeling of the heart. However, it goes beyond that. And we know this in marriage relationships and in, in parenting relationships. Love is commitment. Love is affection. Love is sacrifice. Love is service. Love is to care, is it not? That's what love is. Love is the activity of the affections of your heart. Can I say that? Love is a verb. It's not just an idea, it's, a, it's actions. Love is the activity of the affections of your heart. And so when Jesus is telling us what God wants, it's, to, it's the activities of the affections of our hearts. Put simply, I think love looks like faithfulness. That's what I think. I think it's more than lip service. God loves us when we, he loves to be praised. He loves when we come to, to church and we sing and we worship. However, it's possible to sing the songs and have no love. That's why if you read some of the Old Testament prophets, like he says, you know, your, your lips speak my praises, but your hearts are far from me. So God is looking for a love that's more than just kind of surface level acknowledgement. There is a, a depth of love he's after. And I think it looks like faithfulness. If, if I were to understand what does it look like to love God, I, I think it looks like faithfulness in every area of your, of your life. Uh, no compartments. No areas of your life where you're like, well, God doesn't have access here. How many of you know in a good marriage, in a good marriage, there is full transparency. Uh, you have access and I have access. We have no hidden areas in our lives. You, can, you know my phone password. We share one bank account. We share one calendar. We share one schedule. We share this, this is what a loving relationship looks like. And, and if you want to grow in your love with God, it is to allow him more access into the compartments of your life. In fact, even better, take down the walls and just give him access to the whole home. That's, that's what it is. Like the word integrity, for instance, it comes from the word integer. And, and to have integrity is to allow the strength of God into every compartment and component of your life. And that's what he's after. But beyond that, it's not just every area. What does it mean to love God with your finances? What does it mean to love God with your calendar, with your career, with your family, with your marriage? Love him with your life. But it also looks like faithfulness in every season of life. How many of you have noticed that there is a test of faithfulness that comes to every loving relationship? Like when I married Melanie in uh, May of 2006 and we stood there and we said our vows, I had no idea what I was getting into. You know what I'm saying? Like, like we both didn't have any idea like, like that these vows would be tested. And you put these rings on and you have that ceremony, but that's really tested and proved how you do in the trials that are to come. And, and the same is true in your life with God. That, that, you know, don't just say you love him on the mountaintop. How do you do in the valley? And particularly, I've found this, and I suspect there's some of you that have found this. The older I get and the longer I walk with Jesus, when I'm on the mountain, it's very important for me to say, you know, thank you, Lord. Thank you for my blessings. Like, I pray that some of you have some moments this Christmas where you're looking around, your kids are healthy, relationships are in good, good order. It's just one of those joyful seasons. I pray that that's the case. And if that is the case, I pray that you have a quick moment with the Lord. Say, God, you have been so good to me. Look at the way you've blessed me. However, there will be some of you that are probably in a dark season. 
and maybe the longings of what is not right in the world is just really raw for you this season. There's a test of faithfulness in those dark times where it's like, will you trust him? And will you serve him? Even though you don't understand, even though you don't like it, even though it's not going the way you want, will you remain committed to him? That's, the, that's really when love is proved. That's when the depth of your love is revealed. I, I learned this uh, very, you know, at a new level over the, over the years, like 2020, 2021, and even into 2022. Just three, two and a half very difficult years for me, as it was for a lot of you, for a variety of reasons. And I had a revelation uh, from the Lord on the other side of that, where Jesus essentially said to me, the most meaningful time of your life to date to me has been how you did in those dark times when you did not want to be doing the job I called you to do. You know, for the first 10 years of my ministry, I was having a grand time. (laughs) And then I wasn't. And I wanted to have any other job than this. And yet the Lord said, I called you, and I didn't uncall you. And I was giving God my yes through those couple years just based out of a commitment, not because it was fun. And I felt the Lord say on the other side of that, I'm having fun again, by the way. I'm not going to quit. But I felt the Lord say on the other side, okay, okay, okay. I did not not say that for applause. I felt the Lord say to me on the other side, the most meaningful part of your ministry to date has been how you handled yourself in the dark times where you prayed those prayers, I don't like this, but I'm not going anywhere until you say otherwise. And there is an offering of faithfulness that pleases God, especially in those dark times. I don't know who's in that right now, but you have an opportunity in the dark times and in the valleys to give a level of yes and love and commitment to God that you can't give him any other time. Uh, I remember hearing um, Bill Johnson right after his wife passed away. It was a couple years ago. And, and they were asking him, you know, how are you approaching this? And he said, I'll never, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be reunited with my wife and all my loved ones forever and ever and ever. I will never have this opportunity to love God as a grieving man. And I just want to encourage somebody, like if if things are difficult right now, there is an offering and a gift that you give to the Father just by remaining faithful in this season. Just saying, though you slay me, I will trust you. You know, the, the, the furnace is cranked up and I will come through this as pure gold. I don't know what you're doing. I don't know why you're doing it, but I trust you. Do not underestimate the gift of your faithfulness to him. You can't, you can't give him anything else. Literally. Like Jesus said, when the Son of Man comes back, will I find faith? That's it. Like, will I, that's all he's after. So what does faithfulness look like in this season for you? The best thing you can give God this Christmas, next Christmas, and every other season is faithful love, that you would love him. All right, I'm going to be done soon. Are you with me still? Here's the third thing you can give him. (laughs) What can you give the king? Well, we can let him love us, we can love him back, and we can love each other. How many of you parents know 
the most beautiful blessing and the greatest frustration both is how my kids treat each other. Can I get an amen? amen. It's just a fact. I love when my kids love each other. I won't use the word that I have for when they don't, but I don't like it. I don't like when someone I love is not loving someone I love. Amen? And you, look, there's a lot of mystery surrounding who God is. There's so many things we don't know, but you know what we can know for sure? He seems very, very interested in how we treat each other. Just very into it. You, you look back in Genesis chapter 3, you see where sin entered the world. You know, the first thing that happened was division between God and us and then between each other. That woman you put here, says Adam, right? Division. And then you look at God's redemption plan. He calls Abraham, I am going to make a family and I am going to bless this world through a unified people in my name. He is very interested and then God, we're told, commands his blessing where the brethren dwell in unity. We're told in John 17, you know what the prayer of Jesus was? That we would be one as he and the Father are one. Like this was his last will and testament, so to speak, before he rose again, died and rose again. I just want you to love each other and get along. <laughs> right? I don't, I don't know if he said it like that. That's my, that's the Brent Ingersoll translation but the unity of the family of God if you what can you give God unity love for each other look what Paul says in Philippians 2 therefore if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ if any comfort from his love if any common sharing in the spirit if any tenderness and compassion then make my joy complete by being like-minded having the same love being what one, one in spirit yeah and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. There's where it goes wrong, y'all. Well, if you're going to do that, then I'm going to do this. That's just me, eh? Is it just me? Okay, I got it. Yeah, gotcha. Or nothing out of vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each to the interests of the other. In your relationships with one another, here's, here's the call. What can you give to the Father? Be like Jesus in this. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So what can we do to bless God? How can you, what, what is on God's Christmas list? Uh, this is my wrapping job, by the way really bad at rapping. What can you give him? Unity. Serve one another. Love one another. Give mercy to each other. Here's one. Forgive one another. God is after unity. He's after peace. You know what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount? Blessed are the peace makers, meaning you worked to establish peace. And blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. When we are operating as bridge builders, as reconcilers, as forgivers, as mercy bringers, 
as servants. We are being sons and daughters of God. He's like, that's my kids. That's my family. That's how we roll. We love each other. So for you, this Christmas, what can you give him? Maybe for some of you, there's some estranged relationships that God's saying, hey, take another stab at peace. You know what the word says? It says, as much as it depends on you, seek to live in peace with others. So if you haven't done all that you can do to establish peace with someone else, God is saying, extend mercy, extend forgiveness, extend peace. So what can you give God? You can seek unity. Your family and friend relationships, you know what? Maybe the best gift you can give God, some of you might have some family issues or some friend issues, some estrangement, some things, and man, doesn't Christmas also bring out the crazy in your family? And bring out the baggage and the issues. Yeah, maybe the best thing you can give to God this year is taking another stab at offering mercy, offering forgiveness, offering a tenth chance, whatever. Build bridges, be a peacemaker. Same in the church. God is very interested in us being unified and not getting divided over stupid stuff. Can we just say, like, and I'm thankful, I am really thankful, we don't struggle with this to a great degree in the church, but, like, there's just no room for pettiness in the church. There's no room for selfishness in the church. Like, any time we are self-seeking, we are not operating like Jesus in our relationship with each other. So what can you give God? You can give him unity. Last thing, last thing I'll say. So, Here's what we're giving God for Christmas. Your keyboard's coming back, and I am landing the plane. Let him love you. I felt very strongly that there's somebody, many people perhaps, that are struggling with your relationship with God. Let me just remind you, he's not struggling. Okay? Receive the gift of God's grace fresh. Receive it fresh. I, I've talked to so many people uh, that have just come back to church, and I've heard them say things like, well, I'm on my way back to get right with God. I'm like, you know what? He's just right here. He's like, I got a long road ahead, a long climb. He's like, no, he, he came down the mountain. He's, he's right here. Just turn to him. Receive his grace fresh. Be loved by him. And then love him back. And then just freaking get along. <laughs> my translation. Um, and then the final thing is this. Let's... Let's care about what he cares about. Uh, Jesus gave us an instruction before he ascended to heaven. So Jesus came to his disciples and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Did Jesus just leave us here to hang out? Did he just leave us here to just enjoy one another? No, we're on a mission. Amen? Like Peter said, like, don't think that God is being slow to return. He is wanting to return, but he is giving time for the church of Jesus Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit, to get out there and see as many people reconciled to God as possible. He is on a mission. So if you want to give something that matters to God, you want to give him something... Do what he asked. Care about what he cares about. Get on mission. We can engage his mission. Be like him in giving all 
for this lost world. Look, there is nothing more important than the work of the church of Jesus Christ on the earth. Can I just, let me just say that again, because like, that's not just some big statement that you just say. I mean, what we are doing as the local, this ragtag group of people, five congregations around Atlantic Canada, there is nothing more important than what we are participating in on planet earth. I don't care what SpaceX is doing. I don't care what politicians are doing or what Google's doing or AI or technology or all those things. The most important thing on planet earth is the mission of the church of the people of God redeemed and reconciled by Jesus Christ to be a bridge to a lost world to see people come back to God. He has given us the ministry of reconciliation. We are ambassadors for Christ. That is a big deal. And we are on a mission that God has given us. And so what can we give him? Is just take it seriously. You know, as a dad, a couple things please me. One, doing what I asked you to do. Am I right, kids? <laughs> just like, hey, bud, clean your room. Okay, clean your room today. Actually, it is clean, so good job. Um, and then I go to work and I come back and he did 20 good things. But his room's still a disaster. Is dad happy? You know, it's like, great job on all the things I didn't ask you to do. You didn't do the one thing I did ask you to do. Y'all, the church has gotten really good at doing a lot of things that God didn't really ask us to do. Man, we've got to fight to keep the main thing the main thing. Amen. Like, just be on mission. Like, yes, we want the full expression of the kingdom. We want to experience. We want to grow. We want to grow in depth and knowledge and wisdom and understanding but not at the expense of seeing the gospel move into new hearts all over the earth. We have to be obedient to what he asked us, do what he asked us to do. But you know what pleases me even more as a father? It's not just when you do what I ask, but it's when you care about what I care about. That's when it goes even deeper. It's like you value what I value. You love what I love. I've, I've imparted to you my character and my value system. It pleases the Father when we love this world like he loves the world. And how did he love the world? He gave everything. And so you and I are called to give everything. We had an amazing time at prayer night this week here at the Valley. And just that, the Spirit of God just kind of rested on us as to, as to how like, eager he is to bring salvation to multitudes in St. John and in Halifax and in Charlottetown and southern New Brunswick and Charlotte County. Like, the Father is zealous and jealous after so many people who need the good news of Jesus. Amen? And we have got to come alongside and actually take seriously the mission of God. So uh, I'm going to invite you to stand. I want to pray for you. But here's, here's my call. My call and my ask for you is to consider what does it look like in this season to engage more fully in the mission of God. Maybe I shouldn't have had you stand already because people are shuffling to leave. Pay attention for two more minutes, please. This is important. Every year in, in December as a church, we just take some time to call you to deeper investment in the mission of God. And we do an annual offering, but it's more than just a financial offering. It's a chance for you to say, hey, I, in the new year, uh, I want to serve more. I want to be part of the team. I want to just do whatever I can. I'll take a humble position. How many know God is really pleased by humble positions? You know, don't go to the red tent and say, how can I preach next week? 
say, how can I serve? What can I do? Let me, let me, let me do whatever I can to help the mission go forward. We're asking everybody to, to consider taking a step. So you should have got one of these cards. If you're at one of our physical locations or if you're online, uh, online host will post that. Uh, we have uh, an opportunity. There's a QR code there for you to engage with our annual offering. Uh, it is financial and it is also time. How many of you know there's more than just money? Uh, we, we treasure our time, our resources, our talents, all those things. My simple ask is for you to prayerfully consider, God, what does it look like for me to invest in the mission of God on the earth through King's Church? And so if you click that QR code, you'll be offered the opportunity uh, to give. For some of you, it's just give for the first time. Take some ownership. Uh, throw some money in the pot that's going to help us move the mission forward. For others, uh, the call is for you to take a step of discipleship to take a step where you're like, hey, I want to actually start living that holistic Christian lifestyle. Some of you, let me just say in firm but love, let me just say like some of you need to start tithing. You need to learn that. It's time to grow up. It's time to start doing that. And then for a lot of you, you're already doing that. I, I'm, the, the ask is this, partnership. Just ask the Lord, what would you have me do uh, to sow into the kingdom of God through King's Church? And uh, this allows us to take steps forward. So Full circle. What are you giving God this Christmas? Let him love you. Love him back. Freaking get along. <laughs> and then get on mission. Amen? Amen? So let's pray. Father, thank you. Lord, thank you for just the sense of your spirit here today. Father, thank you for your pleasure over us. And Lord, I just pray, Holy Spirit, would you just reveal to our hearts the depth and height and breadth of the love of God in Christ Jesus over every single person under the sound of my voice. Hear the word of the Lord. You are loved, and there is nothing you can do to change the dial in his love for you. Receive the gift of his grace fresh today. Be in right relationship with him by receiving his grace humbly. Lord, help us. Give us a revelation of your goodness and grace. Would you help us live a life of response, of love for you? Lord, would you pray, God, we pray, Holy Spirit, would you take us deeper as a church into unity? Not just as a local church, but unity in the regional church. Father, just keep building bridges and tearing down walls. Bring partnership and allegiance. And Lord, we just reject competition in the body of Christ in Atlantic Canada. Lord, we, we pray that King's Church would be a church that seeks the the, the regional flourishing of the, the church, Lord. And God, we, we just lay down the flag and the crown of King's Church at your feet. And we just say, like, we just want to be a people counted among the saints, Lord. We, we, we just pray unity in the church. And Father, would you help us take your mission seriously? God, I pray uh, just for some moments this Christmas where we get to tell someone else about the good news of Jesus. Just open doors, Lord. Help us be faithful in that moment to tell our brothers, our sisters, our family members, our parents, our friends, our coworkers, the reason we have hope and that that hope's available for them. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said.